The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Coast to coast. So I'll ask uh, Ken Sterling later if uh, Saturday is smart enough to put Matt Ryan back at quarterback or if they're going to keep going with that hack high school quarterback that they're using now. And another thing, I just watched again the highlights of Andy Dalton. I mean, he's so bad that, I mean, I swear to God, my daughter throws a, a better football than him. I mean, she throws at 80 miles an hour. I mean, she is like got an arm like you've never seen. And I mean, this girl can throw a football or a baseball like you've never seen in your life. That guy is so awful. Did you see the passes he was throwing last night? How about the guy wide open in the end zone that he overthrew by 10 yards? How about how many times did he throw the ball into the linemen's heads last night? Two, three, and he had the one picked off. He is finished. He even looks like a guy. You know what he looks like? Tell me I'm wrong. He looks like a guy that dresses up as Andy Dalton for Halloween <laughs> and goes around trick-or-treating. <laughs> he looks like a trick-or-treater. He doesn't even look like a professional football player or a quarterback. He looks like a guy in your neighborhood with red hair that dressed up like him and went around with the kids to get candy. Carver High looked better as the Invincible. Oh, my God. I can't even watch him play. He's so awful. How do you? Someone, somebody stop him from putting him back out there on the field. At least let Jameis Winston play, for Christ's sakes. How stupid are you? What are they paying him, $20 million to pick his boogers? I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. What, what is happening here today to this show? What has happened to us? Is it Idiotville? Like, I'm the mayor of Idiotville. He's got like those, the red like chops that Dalton had last night, too, when he took the helmet off. Uh, uh, quite the look uh, for the Red Rocket. Uh, we move on. We start to head towards Red Rocket. What a joke. Red Rocket, my ass. Uh, we head towards week 10 in the NFL. The Cowboys are coming off of a bye, Scotty. A week off for them. They will go to Green Bay this week, who has lost a bunch of games in a row. What a shame that is. We will start <laughs> with Mike McCarthy. Now, Mike's been <laughs> the Dallas Cowboy coach for the last couple of years, but, Scotty, he has not returned to Lambeau since the Packers fired him back in the day, which is, uh, according to him, has left a dent. Uh, here's Mike oh, about going back to Lambeau. Uh, emotional? Uh, no, I, I think really, uh, I think it's just like anything in this league. You have to 
you have to get ready to to go win, and you know that's really where my mind is as far as the game. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I have great memories um, about about Green Bay, and you know, obviously, spent spent a lot of time there. But you know, I mean, I'm, I'm four years removed uh, from from working there, and um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to taking our team up there. And, and you know, like I told them today in a team meeting, that you know, this is a this is a really cool place to compete. Um, so it's obviously, you know. Uh, a lot like you know AT&T Stadium. I mean, we have a an unbelievable stadium that people enjoy coming to compete at, no, and please. it's uh, you know very stop, similar up there. You know, obviously, the history and tradition of Green Bay and Lambeau Field, and you know it's an experience that um, you know I want them to maximize. And but most importantly, yeah, you know, go, go take the tour, then, Mike. Oh, I mean, God, honestly, the rhetoric. Go, could, could, I mean, really. Couldn't he have just <laughs> said the truth, Mike? Like, wouldn't it have been great if he just said, honestly, they screwed me. And I cannot wait to go beat their I ass. Mean, they suck, and we're going to stomp them out. I mean, Mike. I mean, he's got. At least we know he's got a future after he's done coaching. He can go lead the stadium tour up there at Lambeau. I mean, he could be the guy who takes everybody around. You know, look at this. Look at this. Oh, geez. He started talking uh, about Le- how great AT and T Stadium is because he knew that he was leaning uh, on saying how great yeah. Lambeau is. So instead, he kept it. He kept it Dallas. We welcome all of our radio affiliates, Sirius Sportsman, Sports, Sports Violent. So, um, you know, he obviously got effed over in Green Bay by those backstabbing C's that run that football team. Thompson, Guttenkunz. And then these are the same people that hired this guy, Le Fleu, and everyone taps him a genius. Well, he's about as genius as that five-game losing skit. And remember, I've said this a million times. He's the most overrated coach in the NFL, and it's because he's had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback the entire time he's been coaching. And he's been living off of the fame of other coaches' reputations. So if a great coach has LaFleur around, he, he must be a great coach. He's got to be a genius like his mentor. And I don't care what anybody says. That's not the way the world works. That's the way the NFL wants you to believe the world works. Because I don't believe for one minute Sean McVay's a genius, and I don't believe this guy's a genius either. McVay's about as genius as that performance with 44 seconds left in the game against Old Man River the other day down at Raymond James. And this guy, LaFleur, he hasn't won a game since he reached puberty. And last year in that championship game in the snowstorm, he did a great job of gaining not one yard the entire game. He's such a genius. Shut the F up. I'm done listening to it. Neither one of them are geniuses. I'm sick of hearing. And now they're saying Sirianni's a genius because they're 8-0. and All you have to do is win in the NFL, and you're a genius in a matter of weeks. You've sold me. Uh, I don't want to listen to Matt anymore either, uh, so I'm not going to play him. But I am going to tell you sick of him. That, the, that the Cowboys are now five-and-a-half-point favorites. They should be field on Sunday. Are we laying it? Are we laying it? I'm laying it. I'm on. Of course we're laying it. I hate the Packers. I hope they lose by 20. It'll make it even better. Watching them lose to the Lions. I lost a bet on it. I enjoyed losing my money flying out the window to money. I enjoyed it. I can't stand them or that snobby ass Rogers. That phony ass Rogers. Go eat some mushrooms. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So you need to get the BetMGM app. First bet up to 1,000 risk-free on any NBA game for new customers. Are you a new customer? Then go sign up for BetMGM, and that new customer type gets a $1,000 risk-free bet on any NBA game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, and you too can style like the big ticket. One thing I wanted to say to you, I was looking at it again, the Allen uh, injury. When he threw the ball, when he got hit, it's pretty obvious that's where he hurt it. He was going full tilt like he was going to throw a bomb. He's all the way back here like this with his arm extended. He was literally like, you know, all the way out here. And then he got raked going the other way, full weight, you know, the whole arm going the wrong way, the whole elbow going the wrong way with a defender ripping his arm off as he's going forward. The other guy's going backwards. And I think that's where he uh, hurt it. He definitely sprained it. He definitely injured Uh, the UCL and the tendon, which is right underneath it. And the bottom line is, it's no different than a pitcher. The difference being is that pitchers throw and they get it. They throw, they get it. They don't have someone knocking them the other way, full 100 miles an hour, a a 300-pound defensive end. That's where he hurt the arm. What is amazing, though, is that he still threw for a lot of yards in that game after that hit so if it was torn he wouldn't have been able to throw it uh, the rest of the game well no it, it it was the it was the third to last play of the game and the and the and the the throw that he made after he got hit made people think he was okay he threw that 65 yard seed to Gabe Davis on that on that fourth and 20 all in the air 65 yards hit the guy in the helmet uh he didn't catch it uh it, you know hit him square in the face so I think people saw that and they went, oh, you know what? He's okay, you know, whatever. He'll shake it off. I could tell when, when he started grabbing his arm that there was going to be a bigger problem here. Let's hope it's just a sprain. You don't want to see a guy go out for the whole year. And if it's just a sprain and they need to sit him for three weeks, four weeks, they have the kind of schedule the next few weeks that they could probably get by with Case Keenum. Like they, they just, I mean, they can. They play the Vikings at home this week. Yes, the Vikings are good, but I, I think the Keenum could beat the Vikings at home this week. I actually do believe yeah, that. I, they I play don't. the Browns at home. They play the Lions on Thanksgiving. They have some games that if Allen's not playing, at least go two out of three in those next three if he misses a couple of weeks. That's all I'm I, saying. I can see. Now, you might be right, but I can see that game in Detroit being a problem for them on Thanksgiving Day with Case Keenum under center on Turkey Day in Detroit because, I mean, you just saw the Lions F with the Packers. And you've seen the Lions F with the Eagles. And I won't deny that the Lions stink and they lose a lot, but they did they did beat Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So you're telling me that Case Keenum is better than Aaron Rodgers, can go in there and do whatever he wants? I don't think so. Not I think that I makes that game on Thanksgiving. It would have been, to me, a 30-point Bills win. Now it's a game. Now you got a game. Now it could go either way. It's a coin flip now. He's not better than Aaron Rodgers, but the team is better than the Packers. So he can go in there and you roll in. 
you roll into the Detroit, and yeah, you got Case Keenum, but when you've got the weapons that he has and you have the defense that he has, he could still win football games. That, that, that's all that, that, that it means to me, and that's why they went and got him before the season. Instead of having that old man, having Matt Barkley out there who can't throw a football, you have a capable guy that if you do miss Allen for a few weeks, he can step in there and at least maybe still win you some games. Now, if he's out for the year, yeah, season's over. I don't know if he's going to disagree with that. They're finished if he's out for the year. They got they nowhere else for them to go. In, if he's in for four weeks, five weeks, let's say hypothetically, if he's injured, last time he missed four weeks with the same injury. Let's say he misses four weeks. Yep. I think the Dolphins and the Jets catch the Bills or move past the Bills, and then the Bills will be forced to rally in the remaining, what, three games? Because how many games are left? Eight? Uh, yeah, there's eight games left. I, I mean, look, if, if he misses four games and they go two and two, and Allen's back in December to play the Dolphins and the Jets and the Patriots and all those teams, uh, I think they're going to be fine. It all depends on how long the situation is. Hell, he might play Sunday. You know, nobody, you know, no, nobody really knows yet what the situation is. But if it's only a couple of weeks, I don't think their season's over by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think that they're going to be able to hold the fort with some of the guys that they have there uh, and at least be able to get some things done. Uh, let's go. Uh, week 10 will start on Thursday night. Another barn burner for you, Scotty. We have the Plenty Panthers and the Falcons Plenty in Carolina. Uh, here's Steve Wilkes. Going to give the ball to P.J. Walker again on Thursday night under the lights in prime time. Here we go. Uh, P.J. will be the starting quarterback this week um, moving forward uh, for this particular game. Um, and, you know, we'll see exactly how things go from there from week to week. But P.J. is the starter this week. Why did you make that decision, Steve? Uh, I'm not going to elaborate why I made the decision. It's something that um, yeah, I felt like that, this week was know? the best. And, um, you know, with, with that being said, I just move on. I just wanted to say that um, I'll give Wilkes credit for one thing. Um, he sure knows how to make a, a guy feel good. Every time they lose, he fires two or three coaches. Uh, but, you know, he's standing steady. Everything's got, uh, you know, focus where he's standing. He's still in charge. They're firing every guy on the staff. Have you noticed that? They fired two more. Uh, all they do is yeah. lose and, and they fire people, but he's, uh, you know, trudging forward, coaching them. They are awful. That is all you need to know. They are awful. They're awful. PJ Walker's awful. They're awful. He's awful. Wilkes is awful. They're all awful. If the Falcons can't beat them, that's all you need to know about the Falcons, that they're going nowhere. The Falcons have to go in there and win that game if they're for real. Because I guarantee you, what's happening here is the Buccaneers are winning that division. Come hell or high water, Brady is not losing to these hack teams. The Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons are all hairdryer city. You know it, I know it. And if the Falcons don't win that game, they're like Revlon hairdryer city. I mean, that's how bad they are. They're going to call them Revlon. Well, they did just play, of course, uh, a week ago. They played in week eight, that 37-34 crazy overtime game where they hit, he hit more with the, the, uh, the Hail Mary at the end, and right. then the Falcons ended up beating him. So they just played very recently. Let's check in with Arthur Smith uh, on a Monday yesterday, see how he's feeling uh, yeah, after the game on Thursday it night. It does. Um, 
you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing. You know, they'll have they'll have adjusted their plan, and and uh, we'll have to adjust ours as well. This guy's a real honestly. Thrill. I, I forgot about that that disastrous game in Atlanta. So. I guess anything's possible. If you can't beat them in Atlanta, what makes you think you can beat them there? I'll tell you what, just on the surface today, I want no part of that game. I mean, honestly, yeah. I'd rather be shot in a <laughs> drive-by shooting than, than bet on those two teams. Oh, honestly, because that could happen right here in New York City. I mean, Carver High, you and I could walk out right now and get shot. I mean, it's that quick. <laughs> in New York City, you got to be quick on your toes. People dust in plastic bags, baby. Falcons minus three. They are the road favorites on Thursday night. And that game had like a billion points, 37, 34. You watch. That game was in the 70s. They'll probably play some 13-10 game on Thursday night. It'll be the most boring, miserable game you ever watch in your life uh, when that happens. That's how it usually goes. They should have flexed that game. They should have flexed it right off TV. They should have. Uh, I'll save Iberflus for tomorrow for you talking about fields. Chargers Chiefs is going to replace the Steelers and the Bengals as the Sunday night game in week number 11. Uh, was that game at the place the Steelers play, Scotty? Were yes. they playing that game at the place the Steelers play? Yes. So that game yeah. will now be at 425. Uh, I think I'm going to send my sister to that one. Stay away from my okay. sister. I'm going to send her. She She's now clamoring for tickets, and she's like, You're, I'm your sister. You have to give them to me. I'm like, 350 bucks, hottie. What's up? We hottie will, toddy. We will come back. Lion's share on a Tuesday. We look at all the big college football matchups. I'm scalping tickets to my sister. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Know your prey. This is a whole new jungle. This is the Lion's Share. Brought to you by Ben. All right, Carver High, uh, let's uh, get into some uh, of the lion's share, BetMGM style. You got college football, right? That's right. It is Tuesday on the lion's share brought to you by BetMGM. So as usual, we will look at the biggest matchups in college football this week. We have hit November. We have a new college football playoff ranking coming out tonight. Scotty, after the games of this past weekend, let us start with your Indiana Hoosiers. They're on the road in Columbus this week against the Buckeyes. Not a good scene uh, here for them. Of course, uh, it is tough to beat Ohio State there. What is the number at now, Scotty? A big, fat, heavy number. It's way too far away for the screen for me to see. Ohio State laying big points against Indiana. 29 and a half, I think, is what he's saying to me. So, look, it's 30 yes. points. And all I know is that they're going to kill Indiana. Indiana's awful. Penn State slaughtered them. What do you think Ohio State's going to do to them? Ohio State looks so bad in Evanston, in Chicago, but it wasn't because they suck. It's because there were 40-mile-an-hour winds nonstop the entire game and driving rain, sideways rain. People were getting pelted. It was a, just a disaster. No one would have played well in those conditions, and it was all over the Midwest, and all the games were affected. I think Ohio State takes out their frustrations on Indiana, going to slaughter the Hoosiers. 
Yeah, 39 and a half, a very big number uh, for this one. But I'm with you. I think that they should be able to take out their misery from last week on the Hoosiers. Tennessee looking to bounce back after the loss between the hedges against Georgia last week, Scotty. They have Mizzou coming in. Man, did they screw me uh, last week. How about, I don't know if you saw that play. You were doing in-game live with Joe Ranieri. How about when the guy, when Kentucky snapped the ball over the punter's head and Missouri should have had the ball at the five-yard line to go in and win that game, and the guy got the rough in the kicker call. I almost wanted to throw my remote through the TV. Tennessee minus 21 against Mizzou this week. Look, you would think that Tennessee would recover from the Georgia game by taking it out on Missouri, right? But I got to tell you, that Missouri team, now, they were a massive disappointment against Kentucky. I'll give you that. But that was, you know, what, like a pick game? It was literally like that, right? So I think when they're a heavy dog, they've covered every time. They covered against Georgia. When they're a dog, they cover. When they're a favorite, they don't even uh, show up. So I don't know. Uh, I think Tennessee should beat them by 24 to 30 points, but uh, Missouri's given everybody else problems. So that's a dangerous game. If I were you, I wouldn't go near it. Very dangerous game. Three touchdowns with Missouri, the way they've covered some spreads this year. Next, LSU now is in the driver's seat, Scotty, in the SEC West after beating Alabama. All they need to do is to finish out their conference schedule with a couple of wins, and they can play in the SEC title game. One of those games this week in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against their rival, the Razorbacks. LSU, three-point road favorites on the streets here against the Hogs. Well, I mean, Liberty kicked uh, Arkansas's ass in Fayetteville, didn't they? And they were getting uh, 14 and a half. They covered that, and they won outright. So if Liberty can kick Arkansas in the groin. What do you think LSU is going to do to them? I think the Tigers win this game on the road. Next, Michigan still playing, eh, you know, not the toughest schedule in the world. They're looking towards Ohio State in a couple of weeks on Thanksgiving weekend. They have Nebraska coming into the big house. Michigan played any road games yet this year, Scotty? Sometimes I do wonder, no. and I have to ask myself. <laughs> no. More heavy, more heavy lumber for the Wolverines with Nebraska coming in. They went to Iowa, and they kicked Iowa's ass in the second half, and I think that's pretty much it, right? So, yeah, they're going to handle Nebraska here. Nebraska's awful. They're going to the big house. They're going to get rolled. Alabama off the loss to LSU on Saturday night. Now they got to go on the road to Oxford, take it on Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. I've got a little lane for you later on in Coast to Coast uh, talking about Saban. 11 and a half, 3.30 p.m. Eastern kick for the Crimson Tide against the Rebs on Saturday. Yeah, I think uh, Alabama season ended uh, on Saturday at Death Valley. And so I have a hard time believing they'll get up for this game in Oxford. I don't think they'll cover that number at all. Uh, I have my druthers whether they'll win. I think Ole Miss can beat them. I mean, I think o um, Ole Miss can beat them because I think Alabama's season ended Saturday night in overtime on that pass by LSU. They're done. They're not going anywhere. They're going to play on a New Year's Six Bowl game. That's it. But I could see them losing. Well, well, that's the thing. See, they're usually not in a position like this. You know, being done – at the beginning of November, knowing that they're not going to make the college football playoff, 
Do the kids care enough to win the rest of their games and make that bowl that everybody expects them to be no. in? New Year's Six Bowl? Or do no. they lose another game or two and end up in, you know, the whocares.com bowl? Very interesting to see how Alabama finishes their season, uh, considering, hey, I love, what a shame. I want to see him play. It's already over. The, no, no, wait. <laughs> I want to just see him once, once in my lifetime. I just want to see him playing at the Sun Bowl in El Paso yeah. at the mountains. <laughs> Like, it, like Miami had to do and lose to Louisiana Tech. I got to see Alabama playing in El Paso. Imagine Alabama, like, you know, the pinstripe bowl, you know, on like December 27th. You know, you got Nick that out would be there great. with the parka on. Oh, it'd be so good. Uh, Central Florida and Tulane. UCF heading to Orleans. Big game, Scotty, in terms of one group of five team does get one of those big bowl bids, and these are the two teams in the running for it. Tulane having a hell of a season. They're laying two at home against the Knights. This is the game, uh, I think, that, uh, you know, fans on Pharrell and the Bench, they're always like, give me just one big one you like. I like Tulane, one big one, to knock off Central Florida in New Orleans to prove how good they really are. Prove it. Go out and prove it now. They've beaten all these cupcakes like Tulsa. Beat Central Florida in your own place. That'll be impressive. Undefeated TCU. We await to see where the committee has them tonight in those rankings. They go to Austin Saturday night under the lights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern kick, and they're getting a touchdown against the Longhorns, Scotty. So you're telling me that Texas is favored by seven in that game? I'm telling you that Texas is favored by seven in that game. I that's a major that. mistake. That, that's just a major mistake. Now, I was going to tell you, there's another big game I want to clamp down on because I think Texas will ruin TCU's perfect season, but I don't think they'll cover seven. Look, you're right. That's a heavy number. TCU plays wild games. Um, I, I would want to take TCU on the seven side. Uh, they win every be, game, uh, and they win close games. So even if yeah. they lose, it'll be a close game. North Carolina visits Wake Forest Saturday night. Sam Hartman and the crew coming off a couple of losses. Louisville, NC State now, uh, as I just need one more to catch that under eight and a half for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Maybe North Carolina can give that to me here on Saturday night. They are getting three and a half in Winston-Salem. How about this total, Scotty? 76 and a half for these two teams. Look out. Yeah, North Carolina to me doesn't play defense, but... I don't think you can give them three and a half points either. To me, this is a one or two point game and Sam Hartman has to turn around from the last couple of weeks because they've fallen out of the rankings. They do not matter at all anymore whatsoever. If they win this game, at least they have a uh, life preserver because they're, they're drowning right now. Their season is going underwater. Uh, it certainly is. We, of course, expect Georgia to be number one tonight after beating Tennessee last week. This Saturday, they visit our friend, the swashbuckler, Leach, at Mississippi State in Starkville. 16 and a half. Georgia, the road favorite here. This is a perfect spot to grab those points. I don't know how you get up for a road game to Starkville, Mississippi, after you beat Tennessee between the hedges in Athens, when you lived for two weeks to beat Tennessee and you trained every day in practice to beat Tennessee, 
I don't know how you could possibly get up. That's like going on a blind date and you walk in and she's 450 pounds. I mean to tell you, that'll be an eye opener. I mean, that's an eye opener there when you go into the, the Applebee's and she's a four, four and a quarter sitting at the end of the bar having a salad, no less, in a bowl of chili. <laughs> wow. <laughs> woo. Uh, we'll, woo, we'll Give me Mississippi State. Yeah, taking the sticks with Leach. I like it. Uh, and finally, Oregon will be at home this week in Eugene at Autzen against the Huskies of Washington. Minus 13 and a half for the Ducks. Another heavy total here. 72 and a half in that one. Look, uh, you're not winning at Autzen in Eugene. Uh, this comes down to will you cover the, the two touchdowns? It's, it's a 13 and a hook. Uh, that is a hell of a bet right there if you bet on Michael Penix and uh, the Huskies to cover at uh, Outson. I doubt it. Bo Nix is doing too much, in my view. I think they'll beat Washington, and I think they'll beat them by more than 13 and a half. There you go. The biggest college football games for this week on the Lion's Share, brought to you by BetMGM. Later on in Coast to Coast, Scotty, Maction tonight in college football. What? Three games we've got to go through, including... The great Ohio, Miami of Ohio battle tonight, uh, which everybody always waits for every year. Can't wait. In Oxford, <laughs> Ohio. I've been yes, there to party. Yes. Believe me, you. Uh, there's other good games tonight uh, as well. The three yes. of them. I like Ball State tonight. We'll talk about it. Yes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Ken Sterling is our everything man. Uh, he's the fixer in Indianapolis for Coast to Coast and Sports Grid. Let's bring him in uh, to talk bad about the owner of the Colts and uh, talk poorly about the general manager and talk uh, even less significantly about their new head coach. Uh, Ken, uh, first of all, this has no bearing on my high opinion of you. You've been on the show for years. You know I love you. You know that we're friends. I don't have anything bad to say about you at all, but I am not going to say anything nice at all during this interview. All right. So first of all, that owner is completely drunk or on pills again, because that press conference was the most embarrassing thing I have seen in sports from an owner of a professional team of any level in like 20 years. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was so bad. He started talking about sausage. Like what was happening last night other than that was a disaster. It was very uncomfortable to be in the room, to be honest with you, for a good, a good portion of it. When Jeff Saturday spoke, things kind of mellowed a little bit and you felt good about what was being conveyed. When Jim was talking, like Jim's going to get to the point eventually, but it's going to be a, circu a circuitous route to a place that in, he may have no destination in mind. We never really know. Last night was uh, fascinating on so many levels, in so many ways you didn't like. 
I thought it was revealing in some ways that I both didn't like and, and in ways that I did. Okay, well, let me cut through what I thought of this cheesecake. How in God's name do you say that you are glad that Jeff has zero experience whatsoever? Well, he says, don't hold me accountable. I'm just the messenger, Scott. He says that it's because there has, has been no fear that he embodies at this point. He's not been through it, so he fears nothing. Fear drives a coach toward analytics, and Jim Irsay doesn't like analytics. He says that it is a fearful device. And so uh, if I were Jeff Saturday, I wouldn't lean on analytics very much at all as I kind of migrate my way through these last eight games. Do the Colts use an analytics department? Yes. Okay, well then why would you uh, talk about how uh, you don't like it and it doesn't work and it's, uh, you know, I'm so glad that he doesn't use analytics. Why have it? Why not? I mean, they've, they've fired everyone else. They've literally been firing coaches by the week and they blame everyone around him, Reich, and they've fired everyone. And then why didn't they get rid of the whole analytics division if he thinks so, uh, you know, poorly of it? I'm not sure he was consulted when it was put together, to tell you the truth. I'm not sure when this whole thing was cobbled together and they hired the two guys from MIT to sit up in a suite and radio down to Frank Reich and say dark green or strong go or whatever on fourth and two from the opponent's 40 when, when you should punt up 14 nothing instead. They go for it for actually fourth and four, and they wind up losing to the Titans as a result. Uh, those kinds of decisions bother, and they continue to bother Jim Irsay. Like with Jim Irsay, it's not Monday comes and we forget everything that happened on Sunday and we move on to the next thing. These things nest in Jim Irsay, and eventually what those chips that pile up on the negative side are going to outweigh the positives and he's going to make a move, and that's what happened yesterday. Do you think, Kent, that he's an idiot? No. I think he is an uncomfortable communicator. I don't think he's an idiot. I think he has difficulty conveying his thoughts in a, a way where rambling is not involved. I think that is really, really tough for Jim Ursay. That That's not his strong suit. Uh, he's not held accountable. For, for long and for winding descriptions of things. He, yeah, I mean, he's a billionaire, so he does what he wants. He owns the team. I mean, he's the chief potentate, for goodness sake. So he does whatever he likes. And nobody has told Jim or say no in a long time. So when he's at a press conference like this, he believes that he's being entertaining. He, he's not taking into account the, uh, the response from the audience, including you. Do you think that his father is turning in his grave? No, I, I, honestly, I think he's proud of, of Jim. Uh, I think that Jim, Jim's a guy who, you know what, for a good portion of the 25 years he's owned this franchise, his dad died really about almost exactly 25 years ago. And, and he meddled to the point where Jim had to stop him from meddling on many occasions. And so Jim knows that an owner is best served by hiding under his desk, let the general manager manage, and let the coach coach. He knows that, but he had it. 
He, he was up to here with what was going on with this team. There was no accountability that Jim could see on the field. And so he moved toward accountability, and that comes in the person of Jeff Saturday. So let, let me go to Ballard. Uh, yes. You know, Ballard, well, first of all, Jim said if there's one thing he knows in life, it's how to build a football team. Uh, I have my druthers about that. Secondly, I think, and I've told you this before, I find it stunning how this guy Ballard and Ursay continue to, you know, throw everyone under the bus. It's everyone's fault why the Colts stink, except their own fault. Uh, they blame the quarterbacks. Like, I've never seen a team actually throw a quarterback on national television under the bus and then drive both axles over the guy's skull the way they did Carson Wentz. And then that moron brought in Matt Ryan as his replacement. And then they benched him and they said it's because he wasn't safe in the pocket. They were doing it to help him. I have heard enough, Kent. I, I can't take it anymore. The, the explanations and reasoning for their own mistakes that they that they've come to the conclusion that they're helping Matt Ryan and, and keeping him safe from a certain death by uh, starting this high school kid as quarterback. I am sorry, my son said it best. Sam Ellinger sucked in college, let alone in the NFL. You know, and, and the way he's played in the two NFL games that he started was exactly the way he played in, in camp. And you could see it, the arm strength in there, the read, quick read, not there. The foot speed, not really there to be as dynamic as you would like. He, he's, you know, he's kind of a three-star college guy who became a, a third-string NFL player. And, and he, he is no, I mean, I get in trouble here all the time because people love Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger is not a starting quarterback in the NFL, period, in a conversation. He's awful. Yeah. It, one thing that's going to make you happy about last night is that Chris Ballard, I've never seen him look less comfortable in any setting. He looked like he was ready just to get up and leave at a couple of points. I don't think he was on board with any of this. And I think he is finding it really, really difficult to continue in the position that he's in. Okay. Given, yeah. Okay. So uh, not to interrupt, but so he obviously, what you're telling me is he doesn't agree with this move. He didn't agree with, the Ellinger move, and that's an Ursay move, and then nope. he doesn't agree with this hire. Is that what you're telling me? That's my belief. I agree with you. And I want to know, how is it that he still has his job? He was as bad, if not worse, than Frank Reich. Frank Reich actually won in Indianapolis. Look at his record. It's that simple. He won, and he didn't win lately. So what have you done for me lately is why he got fired. He got fired for what he's done this year, not what he's done cumulatively. So all I know is, is that I think Ballard should have gone with him. But at least you're telling me. You're telling me, and I will, I will lifeline on this. I will swing from the ship with the, with the life preserver if you're telling me that you believe that Ballard thinks Ursay is crazy at this decision to make Saturday the coach. That's what my belief is. Last night, him sitting on that stage, 
he looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. I haven't seen a guy look that uncomfortable in that building since the the great media availability with Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson when they were linked together by Jim Ursay late on a Sunday night where Grigson looked like he wanted out of there then. But there's a lot of money at stake. I mean, Ballard signed through 2026. If he walks out the door of his own volition, he's saying goodbye to all that money. And and I think that he wants a going away prize and he's going to get the going away prize maybe on January 9th. But right now, I mean, you know, he's the GM and the GM does most of his work around the draft and around free agency. They're going to be able to get a shed of Chris Ballard, hire a new person and then attack the offseason pretty quickly. I think that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're right. And let me ask you, lastly, I got two and a half minutes respectfully. Tell me what you thought when you saw that they had hired Jeff Saturday as the head coach. Now, I have nothing against Jeff Saturday. Good player, no doubt. Uh, I don't think he's great on television. That's just me. I thought he was just a little piece of their puzzle over there. But now he's the head coach of the Colts. Inexplicably, inexplicably, how do you hire a guy that's never coached. Don't talk to me about high school. Do not do that to me. This guy does not deserve this job. This is unbelievable. Let me give you a link to somebody in another sport where it worked out, and that's Mike Matheny. When Tony La Russa retired from the Cardinals after winning the World Series in 2011, they hired Mike Matheny. Mike Matheny had never coached professionally. In fact, he had rebuffed all efforts by the Cardinals to hire him as a minor league manager and groom him for the major league job. He said, no, he wanted to coach his kid in travel ball. Jeff Saturday has a lot in common with Mike Matheny and Mike Matheny took the Cardinals to the playoffs in each of his first four seasons, including the World Series in 2013. Jeff Saturday is a guy who is going to have to win that locker room over. And I think he's going to be able to do it. He has clarity of thought and an ability to communicate transparently that is really, really off the chart good. What I thought when it happened is I I couldn't believe it. And then I did. Because what are you going to do? Gus Bradley, you know, John Fox, that same old, same old. This is a very Jimmer say thing to do. He said last night that Al Davis is his football hero his football mentor, this is a very Al Davis move. Well, let me just say, uh, fair enough, it's a a great comparison, but Mike Matheny has shown his true colors when he wasn't around talent. The Cardinals are a great franchise that won world championships. The Colts won one because of Peyton Manning, and they've never sniffed it since or before that either. All I know is they're not as good as the Cardinals, and he's not going to do as good, and Matheny has never done anything since except get fired, and that's where he's headed. And if this guy, if he wins six of those eight games and gets that job next year, doom and gloom is headed your way. Trust me. There's no way you're telling me that guy's going to be successful as a head coach. I got to see it to believe it. Never coached at college or in the pros. And he's just going to walk in and start winning? My ass. It's not happening. Uh, anyway, Ken, I love you. I'm sorry you had to put up with me today. <laughs> you're the best, Scott. Thanks. Ken Sterling in Indianapolis. Uh, Chris Ballard didn't want to be there. That sounded very interesting. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
of his three MVP awards, 1959, Elgin Baylor dropped 64 on the Celtics. That's a day at the office for Pharrell. 61, Whitey Ford wins the Cy Young over Warren Spahn. 66, Frank Robinson of the Orioles. AL MVP, first player to win the MVP in both leagues. 1966, President Lyndon Johnson signs antitrust immunity to allow the AFL-NFL merger. 1970, Saints kicker Tom Dempsey kicks a then-NFL record 63-yard field goal. Look out. 1983, Braves outfielder Dale Murphy is named NL MVP for the second straight season. 89, Cubs Jerome Walton wins Rookie of the Year. Cal Ripken Jr. is the MVP in 91. Also in 91, Paul Coffey sets the scoring record for NHL defenseman with his 311th goal. And on the way home, Pharrell bumped him at a red light up on that hill uh, by his house there in Pittsburgh. 1997, Tampa Bay Devil Rays named Larry Rothschild the franchise's first manager. It didn't go very well. 1997, Phil Housley <laughs> becomes the second U.S.-born player in NHL history to score 1,000 points. 98, Sammy Sosa is named the NL MVP. He was also juiced up in 1998. 2005, Angels pitcher Bartolo Colon wins the AL Cy Young. 2011, Ed McCauley, Hall of Fame NBA center, Passes away of Alzheimer's and Lee McPhail, Scotty, in 2012, former AL president, passed away at 95. Not our strongest this day in sports uh, that we've had. In yeah, at days. the beginning, uh, the Yogi Berra wins the first of his three MVPs and Elgin Baylor scores 64 against the Celtics uh, in 59. Uh, I just wanted to get those in because in the beginning we, we didn't have you, so... Uh, that uh, oh, okay. is what it is. A lot of people, a lot of people dying, and a lot of people juicing. Sounds like another day at the office. <laughs> uh, it certainly does. We'll come back in action tonight. Let's go.